hands off one bit. What do you do to your nose? Not much. It's all clogged up from the, uh, uh, I guess, the flowers in the backyard and um, just uh, nice, dirty air of Arizona. A lot different than the uh, climate in uh, Colorado. Oh, my land, yes. The, it's a little harder to breathe at first when you get there, but the air is so clean and uh, really, really, really nice. I don't have as much trouble with my uh, allergies and sinuses there as I do here. This is Joe and Evelyn Browning. We're the retired rotors, R-O-A-D-E-R-S, as we traveled across the nation, went into Illinois, back to Colorado, to New Mexico, back to Mesa, Arizona, our home where we are now. And uh, quite a trip, and uh, I think I, too, noticed the environment, the uh, climate, much more favorable in the other states. Um, I think so. I think so. Um, this place could do with a little humidity, a uh, little humility. more sh- humidity. <laughs> Isn't that the right word? Yes, yes. Humidity. Humility and humidity. Yes. Um, because it... Um, it could uh, really help. I know, uh, <clears throat> Evelyn, you spent two years in preparation for our uh, retired rotors trips. Um, budget is a big thing. How did we do with your budget? Uh, I haven't finished it yet. Um, I did for the last, all of it except the uh, last um, week coming home. Um I think we did pretty good. Um, there were some places where we spent a little extra money, but uh, all in all, we did very good. It was um, very revealing. I'm going to give you my report mm. uh, soon. What did it reveal? Uh, that when we're traveling um, by ourselves, uh, down the road, it's less expensive than when we are traveling in a group because um, we have a tendency to go out to eat more, um, to spend more. And um, so really, when it's just us, we do without. Not do without, but I mean, it doesn't take as much to satisfy our appetites or anything like that. We can do it on a lot less than in a group. But I'll have to say this, uh, the group dinners and everything are a way, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, we did social distance and we wore our mask and we really took precautions. And we are about halfway through our self-quarantining since we got back. So apparently, uh, I think we did pretty good. Yes, I think so too. Uh, It was good to get back home. um, I can't get used to all the space yet. And, of course, when we came home, the house looked very nice and neat. And now I have got it turned upside down. Because <laughs> I realized when we were in the camper that you kept saying, we've got too many clothes, we've got too many clothes. And I realized that you were right. But because we were going to different places, different regions where the temperature would be different, we had to carry a little bit of everything with us. But... It did get me to come home. The first thing I did when I started laundry was to start cleaning out my closet 
And as of yesterday, I have thrown away, or I'm going to give to Goodwill, 48 shirts, T-shirts, blouses, and things like that. Amanda Marcos. <laughs> Only she's, uh, uh, she's used to be my weakness, but I just decided just, you know, I've, ha- I've had clothes that I still wear today back from like 2004, 2005. And uh, that's when they made clothes lasted a little longer. But anyway, now I've got another uh, closet to go through. A lot of slacks and pants and jeans that I just saving, hoping to get back into. But you know what? I'm not going to get back into them. So I think they're going to go out the door to Goodwill. Our budget had to be complemented by the gas prices. Uh, We had some favorable gas prices in our trip. Oh, my gosh. It was such a shock because I had budgeted $3.50 gallon for gas, which I know was high. But I always like to budget high, and then I'm so pleased when it comes in low. But I think for about, what, two or three weeks, we were paying anywhere from a dollar eleven cents a gallon to maybe one fifty nine. I mean, if it was over one fifty nine, we'd just keep going until we found the cheaper place. But on the way home, it finally got up to like two forty nine, two fifty nine like that. But yes, the gas prices at first were really, really good. Before we started, of course, there were emotions about uh, an 81-year-old, and uh, I can't I can't tell your age anymore. You asked me not to say you're 77, so I won't tell them that uh, we're super, super senior citizens. But the fears of uh, what might happen on our trip, of course, the uh, the obvious health uh, at our age, you know, any number of things could happen. Uh, also, accidents. We're traveling, I don't know what, a couple of thousand miles, maybe 3,000 miles, and uh, to- a tender truck and a brand new camper. And uh, of course, there might be a breakdown, which was uh, lessened by the fact that we had good equipment when we started. And I was so concerned about our lug nuts. Oh, that is so funny. Because while you were talking, I was thinking, before we leave next time, I'm going to make Joe check the lug nuts in front of me. That is so weird. Uh, yes, you've, you have a thing about lug nuts. Yeah, I have a thing about tires flying off, especially of new campers who are just working out their little kinks and everything. But uh, yeah, definitely, if I have to figure it out myself, I'm checking lead knife. <laughs> In a week or so, we celebrate our 40th wedding oh, anniversary. And uh, can you tell me about all the tires that have flown off because of lug nuts in those 40 years? Uh, no, I can't. I try to put them out of my mind. I know there have probably been several. <laughs> what are your feelings uh, after the fact of the, of the trip? Uh, it was great. It was great. Uh, I think we were so uh, fortunate to go when we did. Uh, things were bad, but they weren't that bad. Uh, they didn't seem bad on the road because we didn't come in contact 
with very many people at all, except family, when we visited in Illinois. Uh, now, sitting here and thinking about our next trip, I'm a little more cautious. Um, I'm kind of anxious to see what's going to happen in the next weeks, uh, if we can get this thing a little more in control. I mean, if I'm stranded someplace, I would rather be stranded here in my house in Mesa than, you know, stranded someplace else. This thing you're talking, is it the virus? Yes. Yes. What else is there now but the virus? And the heat here. Um, we thought that we were in the perfect place because they say the heat kills the virus. Well, it's not killing it here in Phoenix. It's just growing by leaps and bounds. I don't really think they know what can keep it in control or out of control. I'm just hoping for the vaccine that they say maybe is coming. If you're on the road and you come down with a virus, then you're socked into a hospital that nobody knows, you don't know, the family doesn't know, uh, you have no contact or anything, and I agree with you, you and I talked about it. I would rather be in Mesa and have uh, my doctor, my personal physician, uh, beating on the door and and uh, uh, demanding treatment for us. And I know Dr. Chris is in your corner, too. You'd like that. Oh, yes. I think it's important to have uh, a physician that you um, have a lot of confidence in and uh, trust what they say. And I have a terrific one, uh, Dr. Chris Timchina, and um, she lays it on the line for you and tells you exactly the truth, no messing around. And just to know that I would have that uh, someplace that my family could check with or things like that, um, it, it's a real a comfort. Uh, the um, big discussion today is school. Uh, what do we do with the schools and our school-age kids? Uh, do they go back or do we do uh, that uh, virtual learning by uh, remote um, thoughts on that? Um, very selfish thoughts. Um, I don't really want my grandchildren to go back. Um, it just seems like you're putting them in the lion's den. Uh, but I understand where some people who do are fortunate enough to get to keep their jobs and work, um, you know, couldn't handle their children not in school. But still yet, I think so many of the people's jobs now, are they're working from home. So I just think we're better off just to hold off for a little while. I don't see anything we can gain, really, by them going to school right now. I am going to rely a great deal upon our son-in-law, uh, Joe Glasscock, who is based in science. Uh, he is a science teacher, and he has three little boys. Uh, they're nine, seven, and five, and uh, there is no man in the world that loves his kids any more than Joe loves those three boys. And I, I feel very definitely confident that the decision he makes about the kids, either in classroom or virtual learning, will be the right decision, and uh, I am secure in that in that feeling. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
also, but I'm going to correct you because if Jack would happen to hear this, he would be so hurt that he's not 10 now and that Cormac is going to be 8 this week. I said 9, 7, and 10. I mean, 9, 7, and 5. Yeah. Well, it's... Well, you're correct, but anyway. Oh, you're saying they're going to be. <laughs> they're going to be. <laughs> when this is, when this is aired, they'll be they'll be ten. Thirty, forty, and fifty. Yeah, uh, rightfully so. Yes, yes, but yes, I do. Um, Joe's um, uh, plays an imper- important role at his school, and um, yeah, yeah, it's a very smart young man. Uh, there's a lot to be said about uh, face-to-face contact, and uh, especially when you're talking about church or Sunday school or Bible school. I know as a young lady growing up in Benton, Illinois, Bible school was very, very important to you. Um, yes, it was. That's strange that you bring that up. Um, yes, Bible school... Um, was important to me at an older age. I don't guess I ever went to Bible school as a child. Um, I was asked to help um, a friend of mine teach Bible school uh, in Benton. Her name was uh, Kendra Smith. Um, I knew her sister very well. She was my age, and her name was Paula. And um, they invited me to go and just sit in a classroom to kind of keep order and to help kids uh, at the table do some of their uh, crafts and things. And uh, through that uh, experience, um, I became convicted myself uh, to become a Christian and was baptized and saved uh, at that uh, Bible school. So Bible school can reach all ages. The pastor, you remember his name that came out and talked to you? Oh, gosh. Well, let me uh, let me insert that uh, your mother was not uh, uh, too enthused about your uh, salvation or your conversion. I don't think it was enthused. She just... Um, Maybe had a conviction deep down in her heart too. Brookman, uh, Brookman, I, Beckman, uh, Brookman, Brookman, Brookman was the pastor. Um, it was <laughs> oh, well. I hate to tell this story because it's so crazy. Um, and this happened before I helped with Bible school. That um, uh, I had a daughter at the time. Her name was Chelsea cutest little thing you've ever seen and also uh, I spotted a cute little coat uh, at Sue's too which was the place to go in Benton for kids clothes. Sue had the very best and the cutest and besides that she was just a great lady. Um, There was a white rabbit fur coat and at the time, little white rabbit fur coats were the thing for uh, little girls. And it had a, a little tam hat with it, and it had a little muff 
that you put your hands in. And so I went home one time and told my mom, oh, I saw this cutest little coat and I want to get it for um, Chelsea. But I I don't know where she would wear it. And um, my mom says, well, if you went to Sunday school, Art church, it would be the perfect little coat to wear to Sunday school and church. And so I thought, hmm, okay. So uh, we got the coat and we started going to a church. <laughs> and it happened to be, like I said before in the conversation, uh, the one that Kendra Smith and her sister and oh Barbara went to. And there was Helen and there was oh Loretta and there was oh just tons of girls that I met there that was wonderful and um, so that's how Chelsea got her first little coat and so when I decided to uh, I got saved and went to church um, before I had always stopped down at my mom's and I don't know how in the world I ever got up got two little children ready to go to church and myself my husband did not want to go to church at that time and um, so I I would have enough time to stop down at my mom's and talk to her for a little bit before I went to church. And so after I got saved, she told me, she says, now don't expect me to go to church with you. I'm not going to do that. And I said, okay. So I just continued to go down to see her. And one day when I went down to see her on Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church, uh, she was ready to go. And so she started going to church with me. And lo and behold, about three or four weeks later, she was saved. So God does work in wonderful, mysterious ways, even using little rabbit coats. Emmanuel Baptist Church has been an important uh, building, site, uh, institution for you and me both. Uh, did, did you have a, a song, any kind of song that, uh, that you kind of... Uh, as they say in the religious world, claim to be your song? Oh, gosh. I would have to think about that. Um, the one Charles sang? Oh, that later in life, yes. Um, um, oh, gosh. Now I can't think of the name of it. Um, I'll tell you mine while you think okay. of it. I know what yours is. <laughs> oh, what is mine? It is well with my soul. <laughs> exactly. We, You and I were sitting in the Manuel Baptist Church. Never forget the Sunday. Sunday, August 21st, 1983. We were sitting in church, and I was raised in, in a church, in the first Christian church in Benton. Um, my mother and father, every Sunday morning, got up and they loaded the car up with their eight kids and those kids who wanted to go to church, and we all did, uh, traveled up to the First Christian Church and we attended our Sunday school and church and then came back and had fried chicken dinner. Every Sunday, uh, mom would fry those chickens on Saturday night. And uh, I remember the first Sunday you and I had, uh, you fed me pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and I went crazy. You mean I don't get fried chicken anymore? But uh, on the 21st day of August in 1983, I was sitting there with you, and John Odell was singing, and he was singing to me, and Pastor Ron Kermines was preaching. And the hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, was really significant because 
if you remember the words um, that talked about your sin in the first couple of verses of how uh, they're forgiven and everything, but then the third verse, which people often forget or don't uh, play whenever they play the song, the third verse, O my sin, the blessed of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, and I had separated my sin saying that, okay, God can forgive these sins because they're forgivable, but there's a sin or two that he ain't going to forget. I just, I just know that they're just too big and too tarnished and too hurtful uh, to be forgiven. But then when that song was sung, Oh, my sin, though the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, not just some of it, not the ones you pick out, but my sin as a whole is forgiven. And that was a key moment for me and my uh, salvation. And you're right, uh, uh, if and when I ever die, <laughs> mm-hmm. I want that song. <laughs> How come you Cat laugh? Sound? <laughs> come? Sound. Well, I just remembered the one that I uh, really meant a lot to me, um, uh, during my um, first conversion, or at the beginning of my conversion, was um, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. That was mine. But as um, I, we moved to California, and uh, I had been a fan of Sandy Patty's for a long time, and I could not believe that she was coming to our church at Shadow Mountain in San Diego. And I was going to see her live. Um, and when I hear her sing, one, she is has a voice out of this world. I mean, she can climb octaves at a time. Um, the one uh, I like is uh, He's So Wonderful. And, um, I mean, she can make me cry anytime I put her albums on and listen to her sing. One with her voice and one with what she's saying is just marvelous. We had a lot of friends at Shadow Mountain. Uh, Ray Benton was our Sunday school teacher when we moved to town, and uh, Sammy joined in to uh, the youth group. Uh, what was the youth director's name? John Ruhlman? Huh? John Ruhlman, yes. I'll never forget that name. <laughs> John uh, was actually... Uh, in the foyer whenever we walked in the first Sunday and uh, he saw Samantha and he came over to her and he said, uh, are you new to the church? And she said, yes. And he said, come with me. I've got a task for you. And uh, that was uh, the first day of Samantha really getting involved and really belonging and really being a part. Uh, that's, she met Bella uh, and they had uh, Bella Ishaki and uh, they had a great uh, team there at Shadow Mountain. We had some great friends there. Uh, as we mentioned, Ray and Sheila Benton, and, of course, our dearest friends was uh, Lynn and Duncan Hunter and their family, uh, Duncan Dwayne and Sam and their, their children. Uh, had some great times with them. And, of course, we've got uh, Roy Tyler, who's up in, what, Oregon now? Yes. And uh, Roy and Joyce, and uh, uh, we got Floyd and Helen Jones. Uh, we got all kinds of friends in that uh, 
San Diego area. Great people. And uh, a great growth time for us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I loved our Sunday school class. We had so many people. Uh, I can see their faces now in front of me. And um, what a hoot it would be to see them today and talk. Um, I I can't think of their names. I can think of a few. Barbara and just different people. We had a fabulous... um, Sunday school class, and we were all very close, and uh, we had a lot of events uh, at our home uh, during the 20 years that we were there, Um, and um, I truly miss all of them, and they were really responsible, and when I went through my cancer fight, um, it was wonderful to have them uh, cheering me on and uh, praying for me. I know that their prayers absolutely helps so much. Barbara and Charles were, uh, or Clarence, was it Clarence? No. Charles. No. Charlie. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, mm-hmm. you decided to host one of the parties for the class, and uh, we didn't have the chairs to, pretty innovative. <laughs> oh, no, we had a house way out in uh, Homo. Wild West Place. Yes, a Wild West Place, and... Um, it was the biggest house I had ever been in. It had um, um, two stories, and the rooms were, I mean, humongous. And um, when we settled in there, we had a whole front living room that had nothing in it. And so the class, we had, I guess, maybe 50 people mm-hmm. in our class. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> Maybe not that many, but no, almost yeah. that many. And so... They decided to have a party, and so the first time we hosted them, there was no place for people to sit with chairs and anything. So Joe and I went out, and we got bales of straw, and we covered them with blankets and quilts and things in the living room and had kind of a little Western theme and had a great party in our house. And uh, we seriously thought about leaving the bales of straw. (laughs) In the living room because it looks so nice and full. <laughs> but, uh, yes, we did that a lot. And then we built a new house. And as it was being built, um, someone suggested that we have a blessing on our house. And so we invited um, the Sunday school class to come out. And we gave everyone black markers. And they wrote their favorite Bible verse or a Bible verse, uh, you know, talking about blessing a house or where you live or your life. And everyone wrote on the walls. Now, this is the sub walls, not the (laughs) really walls on the outside. But they assigned that and we had a big dinner and oh, it was really, it was really great. Meant a lot to us to know that when you got your house finished, that on the walls underneath all the paint and everything was, you were surrounded by Bible verses. On the sheetrock, they wrote the uh, Bible verses, and you also got quite a gift that night. Uh, Yes, I did. I think I got a rocking chair, and I think that was from you. But the craziest gift I got, and I still have, I we picked it up this time when we went home to, uh, to my mom's house, um, 
friend of ours, Duncan and Lynn Hunter, they uh, lived up in Alpine also, and that's where we lived. And they were getting ready to come over to our house for a party. And as they went outside, they had a dog. And it was barking like crazy at a, a big log that was laying out there. And come to find out that Duncan realized that it was a snake. And he got his gun and he went out and it was still there. And he shot it, cut its head off and skinned it. And he happened to have a, what, a one by four board there that was about four, five feet long. And he nailed that skin to this board. And the crazy guy, but this is Duncan Hunter Sr. for you, he wrapped it up and brought it to the party. And his With the snake meat. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, with a snake meat. And it was a Ziploc bag, I think. Oh, that was the worst part. But anyway, he he came in and he had this gift for me. And uh, it was a bag. And I asked him what it was. And it's a snake. And I said, oh, would you kill it? He said, yeah. He said, I brought you this. But he said, Lynn said it'd be crazy that you wouldn't want this. But he said, I brought it anyway. And when I saw it, I said, oh, no, are you kidding? I said, this is the most, the greatest gift I have ever gotten. And so, as you said later about um, Floyd Jones and his wife, they happened to own uh, a Western uh, gallery, art art world. Art art world, Western art gallery. Uh And uh, he said, oh, let me take it and I will frame it for you. And so he took it and he dried it like you're supposed to and he put it in the most beautiful frame and I have had that all these many years. Um, So that has been a long time. Yes. Duncan is uh, constantly uh, 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 looking at ways to make people feel good about themselves. He is, he is, uh, I am blessed to have two people in my life, actually three with my father, who enjoyed what they were doing when they were doing it and looked forward with uh, positivity on anything that was coming up. And you and Duncan uh, have that quality. And personally, I am so fortunate to have you, hon. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm fortunate to have you. We make a good pair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll I'll drink to that. Um, we are uh, sailing along with our retired rotors uh, program, bringing you uh, events, and we're hunkered down now for a couple of week uh, weeks. Uh, incubating, or what do they call it? Whenever you go into uh, two weeks of uh, hibernation, hibernation. <laughs> I don't think we're hibernating, but... As, as, yes. as old Leslie guy says, hunkering down. Yeah. Uh, old hunkering down guy. But, uh, yeah, and we're during our hunker down time. We'll reflect on some of the things that uh, we feel are important in our life past. And uh, I think uh, the fact that uh, salvation is the important thing. Yes, it is. Absolutely. That's the only thing that you have that will carry you through everything. Are you in distress now? No. Do you need to go to the restroom? Huh? No. Why do you keep... No. 
Good night, Joe. Come on, you, you need to fess up. You say you're going to be unedited as she trots off to the uh, pot this morning. Uh, I'd like to remind you that we are the Retired Roaders, R-O-A-D-E-R-S, and you can get us on uh, Anchor and other locations. We invite you to tune in to Professionally Unprofessional. Our son and grandson has a podcast. You can get on Anchor and Spotify. And of course, Trenton Quaid, he calls it Quaid in the Morning, uh, has a sportscast called Out the Door. And what he does, he takes all the sports news and he uh, uh, condenses it down to about three or four minutes. And as you're going out the door to do whatever you're going to do during the day, you can uh, get the latest from Quaid on Spotify and Anchor. We invite you to join us as we travel along. If you have a comment or a question, uh, you can contact us at retardroaders, R-O-A-D-E-R-S, at gmail.com. And we look forward to your comments. Say goodnight, Gracie.